Okay, uh, good morning. I did get the memo that it is summer. I, you know, this will make sense in, in a few moments. But uh, you know, back at the end of April, we asked you guys to, to share with us things that were on your mind, topics that you would like to hear God's perspective on. And so one of the topics that came back repeatedly is uh, difficulties in life, challenges in life that just kind of go on and on and on, don't seem to have any end. And so just to share two specific ones with you this morning, these were all anonymous, so, so I hope that whoever uh, shared these is here this morning to, to hear this, but uh, you, you can just hear, this was a repeated one, uh, health issues, chronic health issues, and you can just hear the, the angst in, in this as I read it. Um, I have chronic pains and limitations with no relief. A prison in my own body. Uh, the loss of my former self. How to live in peace, freedom, and purpose in Christ when struggling with daily pain, frustration, and depression. And so I just, whoever wrote that, thank you for your, your honesty. Um, I, I hope that this morning's message speaks to that. The other thing that showed up uh, repeatedly, several people shared was this, I would like you to talk about taking care of a sick child. And when I read that, I thought of a, of a very special family that I met uh, not too long ago, Jackie Ross and uh, her son Xavier, and she has another daughter, Ellie. I met uh, Jackie and Xavier down at CHOP a couple of months ago when I went to, to visit them. And Xavier has a, a really extraordinary story. He was born with uh, only one half of his heart. His, his, he had no left ventricle. And so they knew that before he was born, they knew that he would need several surgeries to, to deal with that issue. And the first couple of surgeries went well. And on the third surgery, which was supposed to be the easy one, it was supposed to be the smoothest one, um, the surgery itself did go fine. But then uh, in recovery, Xavier got into a coughing fit and one of his stitches broke. And so he lost 75% of his blood, and he, uh, his heart stopped beating for seven minutes. So he survived that, but you can imagine the kind of damage that happened to his organs and to his brain for his heart not to beat for, for seven minutes. And so today, uh, Xavier is 100% dependent on others to, to take care of him. And to give you an example of that, every two hours, he has to be turned by someone to avoid him getting bed sores. So Jackie has uh, nursing help. Uh, there are nurses that come in around the clock. There, there's a nurse that stays with him all night and, um, and, and turns him as, as needed. But along with that nursing, um, that comes through insurance. And so insurance is constantly pressing her to try to cut back on the amount of care that, that they're giving. So she's having to fight those battles. She's having to fight uh, pretty much all of these battles on her own because dad left uh, three years ago. He's still somewhat involved in the kids' lives, but that the lion's share of responsibility really falls on, on Jackie. And then she has uh, her other daughter, Ellie, to, to take care of. So she has a very heavy load that she's carrying, and there's no end to that in sight. And so when you and I have those kinds of loads, maybe not, it's not that same load, but you have some load in your life that is difficult, chronic, um, how do we hold on through those difficulties? How do we press 
through. Jackie, we're actually going to get to hear from Jackie near the end of the message here this morning. But before we do that, I, I want us to hear what God has to teach us about endurance. This theme of endurance we see over and over and over again through the scripture. 30 times we see words like um, endurance, um, patience, perseverance, steadfastness, fortitude. And I think we see the repetition over and over and over again because God knows that life is hard. Life is difficult and we come up against challenges that sometimes just go on and, and on. And some of you uh, this morning may be in situations that it, it, it's just been tough and it's been a long stretch and you may be on the verge of giving up. And what you can't know, what I can't know, because we can't know the future, is that it could just be that you hold on just a little bit longer and relief may be just around the corner but we don't know that all that's given to us to do is to hold on for another day. And so this morning, what we're going to look at is, is how we can develop that endurance muscle in, in ourselves so that, and how God wants to do that in us, so that we can hold on and not give up and experience everything that God has for us. If you would take a Bible and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one on the seat close to you. And Hebrews 12 is on page 1111. Um, some of you uh, may be here this morning searching in, in your faith. Um, maybe you're coming back to church or you're coming to church for the first time and you really don't know what to make about Jesus and God. And you're not sure all, about all of this. I, I just want to speak to you for just a moment as we're talking about difficulties in life and things that are hard to press through. And I just need to tell you something about faith. It, faith, embracing a life of faith and pursuing a relationship with God is not a ticket to a pain-free life. Okay, there's some teaching out there that, that floats around like that that seems to, to indicate that if, if you just say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and forgive me of my sin, then everything from that point on is going to be easier and, and better in your life. And I just need to tell you, because I don't want this to be a bait and switch, that that's not, that's not the case. Okay? Now, all of your problems don't go away when Jesus comes into your life, but the difference is now you have Jesus in your life to walk with you through your problems. And that's huge. So, so you just need to know that uh, up front. Um, and, and this is hard for us in life because we live in a world of Facebook highlights where it seems like all we see is the great stuff that's happening for people, the great meal I had last week, the great vacation that I'm, I'm on, uh, the great uh, awards that my kid got when they graduated. I mean, everything is just the highlight reel. And sometimes we, it even seems like that when we're reading Scripture. The, the chapter that comes right before the verses that we're going to read here this morning is... Hebrews chapter 11, and I encourage you to read that this afternoon when, when you have more time, but Hebrews chapter 11 has been called the Hall of Faith because it lists person after person after person who God called in their life to do a specific task, and they did it, they did it well, they succeeded, and so we celebrate the faith of these people, and it, it kind of almost seems like the Facebook highlight reel because it's like, man, these people, these were all great people, and they did all this great stuff, and I, my life doesn't always go that smoothly, and I'm not always successful, 
But actually, if we dig and we read far enough in that chapter, we even see the difficulties that persist through a life of faith. If we, if we, just, we should read just a, a few verses here at the end of Hebrews 11. Starting verse 35, it says, Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. So even in the midst of the successes of faith, we see that there are difficulties. In fact, the reality is sometimes when we embrace a life of faith, our life gets harder instead of easier. But that's why we follow this hall of faith with some help for our faith. That's what we find in in Hebrews chapter 12. So we're going to just read three verses here, but they are jam-packed with some good stuff for us and encouragement here this morning. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's that whole list in Hebrews chapter 11, all those people who lived their life by faith. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So what we see here is this, this really colorful running metaphor um, so the, 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 hero, the heroes of Hebrews chapter 11 ran their race well. They finished well. They, they won their race. And now the author is telling us, let us run with endurance the race that's set out before us. We have our own race to run. It looks different than what these other people ran. And so your race may include a, a child with special needs. Your race may include an unreasonable boss that you have to go back and face day after day after day. Your race may include some family member that's just chronically difficult, that's always argumentative, they're always negative, and you just, it's not someone that you can get away with, from. Um, you just, you've got to face that all, all the time. It may be a physical limitation, a medical issue that you're just dealing with on and on. Whatever your race is, the author says, run that race with uh, endurance. And actually, that, that word race, let us run this race. The, the Greek word for race is agone. Okay, so test your Greek skills here this morning. What, what English word do we get from the Greek word agone? Agony, right? And that's what our race feels like sometimes. It feels like agony. It feels like I'm dying here. I can't wait to stop. I mean, and, and what we should know is life is more like a marathon than a sprint. Okay, sprints are relatively easy. I know there's a lot of training and there's a lot of, there's a lot of work that goes into being a sprinter too. But, but sprinting is kind of the fun part of running. That, that's why, that's what's shown on the Olympics. You know, Summer Olympics, prime time in the evening. We're watching sprints that only last like a minute or two. 
Okay, I had to actually go up, go and look up if marathon is an Olympic sport because I never have heard that mentioned as an Olympic sport. Why? Because can you imagine watching a marathon for hours on end? I mean, talk about, why do we not watch that? It's boring. I mean, who wants to watch somebody just run for hours on end? We'll watch the, we'll watch the, the beginning when the gun goes off. We'll watch the finish where people are cheering. But most of the time for a marathon, see that all goes really fast for a sprint, but for a marathon, you've got hours in between of just nothingness. And so for you and I in the marathon of our life, there are moments of kind of the excitement and the glory where you start at the beginning and everybody's there cheering you on and they're saying, yeah, we'll be there at the end too. And so they're cheering you, you're going and it's exciting. And then at the end, they're there and they're watching and they're ready to spray water on you or whatever. But there's hours in between where you are all alone, where you're tired, your energy is running out, and there's this strong temptation to just say, I'm just going to give up. Why am I doing this in the first place? And the, the agony race that you and I have to run in our lives at times when it's just difficult, we, we need something to hold on to. We, we need something to help us with our endurance. And so these verses give us some instruction about hanging on. And they tell us that our endurance is determined by what we carry and where we look. Our, our endur- your endurance, yours and my ability to hang on and keep going and not give up will be determined by what we carry, or actually, as it turns out, what we don't carry, and where we look. First, first uh, the author tells us, talks to us about what we carry. In verse 1, it says, Since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, since we're running this race, let us also lay aside every weight. And that that word weight there has to do with the burden. It has to do with what is holding us back. So, first of all, it talks about things that are not necessarily bad. I mean, we'll get to the bad things in a moment when we talk about sin. But there are are some things that we carry on our race that are not bad things. They're actually good things. They're just not good for our race. So, a winter coat is a really good thing. I mean, in January, when the wind is blowing and howling and you got to walk your dog, I mean, a winter coat is a great thing. It is not a great thing if you are trying to run a marathon, okay? You would never wear a heavy winter coat to try to wear a marathon. You would take it off. Thank goodness, I can take this off now. So you would take it off because all it does is weigh you down and, and burden you. And so in your, the marathon of your life, there are things in your life that you will need to set aside that are not bad things, but they're, just, they're not things that are helpful for your race. So let me give you kind of a silly example. Maybe you uh, live right next door to the person who has the pristine yard in the neighborhood, okay? They're, they're the ones that inspire all the yard envy, Okay, just the grass is lush, it's always cut to the right height, um, the, the, the flower beds, I mean, never a weed, everything is just perfectly manicured, I mean, everything is just perfect, and you're looking at that and you're thinking, man, I wish my yard looked like that, I wish my flower beds looked like that, 
But then you look at your race, you look at what's been assigned to you, and you say, well, I'm one of those people that have that a special needs kid that takes extra time. Or because of a financial situation that our family's in, I've got to work extra, and I don't have the extra time to work in my yard. That Working in your yard and keeping your yard is beautiful is not a bad thing, but that may not be the thing that's helpful for you in running your race. And so you need to determine there are some things that are not part of your race. It may be like, maybe you look at somebody else and you say, man, they're writing a book. Maybe your race doesn't allow you to write a book. Maybe your race doesn't even allow you to serve very much at church because you are so absorbed, you have so much going on in your race. And so we have to learn to be able to say, you know what, that's not my race. Can you say that with me? It's not my race. Okay, sometimes we we look at somebody and we think, I wish I could be doing that, but that's not my race. I need to run my race, the race marked out for me, and in order to be able to do that, I need to take off the things that are not necessary, that are just weighing me down, burdening me down. There's a second thing that we sometimes carry that we need to get rid of, and that's also in verse 1. It says, it says let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And so uh, another translation says the sin that so easily entangles and so sometimes we're trying to run a marathon, but we've got, we've got ropes, we've got something tangled up, we've got sin that we are tangled up in, and all it's doing is it's holding us back and it's tripping us up, and the sin, we need to get rid of the sin. When, when you and I are in a difficult, heavy, stressful, chronic situation of life, that is, the, that is maybe the most likely time that we will turn to sin, because we think it's going to bring us comfort, it's going to bring us some kind of relief, but it is the very time that we most need to turn from sin because we need to get rid of that extra thing that is tying us down. So when you are stressed, it is not the time to start a new addiction. It's, it's not the time to say, I'm going to, I'm going to start drinking alcohol. Maybe that will just calm me down before I go to sleep at night. Or I'm going to just take an extra one of these pills because it just kind of calms me down. This is not the time to add to your agony by pursuing another kind of sin. It's, uh, it's not the time to hold on to bitterness. It's time to lay that aside and get rid of it so that you can be freed up to run your race. I heard a great quote about sin recently. It says, sin will take you farther than you ever expected to go. It will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay and it will cost you more than you ever expected to pay. Sin is not your solution to stress. Sin is a lie, and you just set it aside. And there may be some of you here this morning who have never taken that first step of setting your sin, bringing your sin to Christ. We, we sang earlier about the blood. Just one drop of Jesus' blood can make us clean and set us free. Some of you may not have taken that, that first step, and maybe today is your day to say, it's time for me to untangle myself from the sin, leave it behind so I can run the race that God has given me to run. Or maybe some of you years ago made that choice to follow Jesus, and you've gotten tangled back up into sin. That does happen. It's maybe today is your day to throw it off. And we have a prayer team. Our pastors will be available after the service. We would love the opportunity to pray with you, to help you walk through that process if you need help of getting unentangled.
from that sin so that you can run your, your race. Endurance is determined by what we carry and where we look. Um, having a positive example to look at and to follow is always very powerful. So, in verse 2, it tells us to look, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising its, its shame. See, Jesus finished well. Jesus had a race to run that was harder than any race that you and I will ever run because he bore the sins of the world. And he knew that from the moment that he was born, walking through his entire life, and then in the last few chapters of each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see him entering into this journey, this leg of his race that was intense because he's being betrayed, he's being mocked, he's being physically tortured. And yet he hung on, he endured, this tells us, he, 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 uh, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. So see, Jesus focused on what was before him, the joy that was before him. He didn't focus on what was happening around him. And similarly, you and I don't need to focus on what is happening around us. When I'm, when I'm running, I can't focus on my running because I am... Uh, in, in agony, okay? So I have to, that's why I'm listening to podcasts, I'm listening to sermons, I'm listening to uh, leadership things, and so it gets my mind distracted and focuses me on something more positive. And Jesus, as he's walking through the final leg of his earthly journey, is focused on what lies ahead, the joy that lies ahead, the reconciliation that would be possible between us and him, the reward that was waiting for him now that he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's where his focus was, not in the present, but, but in the future. And so as you and I run our marathon and our, our race, we need to not be focused on all the details and the difficulties and the agony of our present. We need to focus on Jesus, who set the model for us of focusing to what lies ahead, the reward that God has for us, and to pursue that. And so maybe... Um, maybe a practical thing for you to do this week. If you're in the middle of one of those agony races and, and an agony stretch, is, is to go to the end of one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those last couple of chapters there, and just read about Jesus. Watch what Jesus, how Jesus is responding and pressing through the difficulties because he knew what lay ahead uh, for him. Um, the word endure means to hold one's ground and remain longer than expected. <laughs> See, that's, that's what's always happening with endurance. It's always taking longer than we think it should take, but endurance is about holding on, not giving up. And Jesus models that for us because he was known as the, the man of sorrows, but now today he is the risen, victorious king who is, who is ruling at God's right hand. So he is our ultimate model. And sometimes it's helpful to see another human model of that. So I told you that you'd get a chance to hear from Jackie Ross. I'm going to ask Jackie to come up and join me. Jackie's been, Jackie and Xavier and Ellie have been at Grace Point for a couple of years now. But I really just have had a chance to spend with them in the last couple of months. And what, what struck me when I came to visit you at CHOP, it really just blew me away, was just your, your positive attitude. And so here's your son in the hospital again. 
and uh, you just had an amazing attitude. So um, thank you for being willing to share with us just a little, we get a little snapshot here of your story this morning. Before we get into the, the challenges, would you, just as a mom, would you just tell us about Xavier? He's very sweet and he's very gentle and he's funny and he has a great smile and he has a wonderful laugh and he um, has quite the personality. He knows what he likes and what he doesn't like and he makes it well known before all this happened, he made it known, and he makes it known to us now. So. Yeah, yeah, tell, tell about um, yeah, the helpers coming yeah, into the house. Yeah, when he um, was younger, he would have early intervention therapists come to the house um, to help with some of his delays because of being in the hospital for so long. And they would come into the house, and Xavier would take their hand and walk them back to the door because he just didn't want anything to do with it. They were going to ask him to do things he didn't want to do, and so he very politely asked them to leave. Yeah. So at least he was polite about it. Yes. That's, that's yeah. good. And, and you said that um, even today, like as you're watching a movie, he will respond. Yeah, so he's, he's cognitively intact. He's um, more like a prisoner of his body. So he laughs at things that are funny. Um, he has favorite parts of movies. And he, you can see him anticipating those parts coming up. Um, he likes the beginning of the movie where the little um, light hops across the screen, and so you can see him anticipating that um, anytime Toy Story is on, he's just smiling from ear to ear. Uh -huh. so, so we shouldn't let, we shouldn't be fooled by the outside that his body is not working. There's, there's a real live little boy oh, yeah. inside of there. Um, what have you found to be most challenging as Xavier's mom? Um, I think mainly the logistical part of all of it. There's a lot of scheduling, a lot of phone calls that need to be made, um, a lot of people that need to show up. And when they don't, then trying to work that out, trying to make sure that my daughter's taken care of and then I can make it to work and um, Xavier's medicine comes in on time and that, you know, everybody's scheduled, that he sees his therapist as often as possible, that he makes it to school, um, that doctor's appointments don't take away from all of those things and making sure that um, he sees the specialist he needs to see in the right time. So there's a lot of phone calls, it's a lot of fighting with the insurance company and a, a mm. lot of being mm. his advocate and speaking mm. up for him. So that's the most difficult part. I I'm, sometimes can't be mom mm. because mm -hmm. I have to be the nurse or I have to be the advocate or I have to make the phone calls. And if a nurse doesn't show up, then I'm responsible for all that care. And it's a lot and I just want to love on him. I don't yeah. want to do all that medical stuff. You just want to be mom, not caregiver yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in all of that and all of that responsibility, have there ever been moments where you've just, just gotten tired and just said, I just, I feel like giving up? Every day since the day was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. um, every day since I knew that I was gonna have a baby that was gonna need extra care. Um, he had open heart surgery at four days old. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's very unnatural not to be able to hold your child when they're born or to have to say, maybe say goodbye to them when they're an infant. Um, so, you know, I just thought this is way too much for me. Mm -hmm. There's no possible way I can do all this. Mm -hmm. No way. And even though he came through a lot of his surgeries okay, this most last one, you know, we were in the hospital for two years and there were many mm -hmm. days at CHOP where I was like, you got the wrong person, God, because this is not, mm -hmm. I cannot possibly do this. And still today, even this morning, I woke up and thought, oh, there's so much to do. <laughs> so, so where do you find strength to, to keep going? Well, I think when you know where your help is coming from, where you know where to turn, um, that's a big piece of it. For me, I just 
had to surrender completely. Mm. There was no going halfway with this. I knew that if I was going to, this was the life that God had for me and my family, I had to surrender 100%. Because I, you can't just ask for help and be happy when things are great. You have to continue to go back and ask for help because this, like you said, this will be a marathon. This will be for the rest of Xavier's life. So I'm not going to be able to carry this burden by myself. Mm -hmm. And that's really the only way. I couldn't imagine. You either, when you have a child that's this sick, you can do one of two things. You can live in darkness, and you can live in depression, and you can live in despair, and you can say, why me? And you can be bitter, and you can be you know, blaming God for this. Or you can live in peace, and you can live in faith, and you can pray. Um, that your child will either be healed here on earth or you can live in the faith that he will run and jump and play in heaven. Mm -hmm. That's what I choose to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you shared earlier just how it's, it's so strengthening to you to know that this is not all there is. This yeah. is just the beginning for him. Yeah, yeah, there's much more good stuff to, good to stuff. come. Yeah. So what have you learned about God through this whole experience that maybe you didn't know before Xavier was in your life? Um, I grew up in a church, and I've always been a believer, but my faith has never been what it is right now. And that's really what I learned, that you have to be faithful, mm -hmm. and you have to believe that what you are begging God for is going to happen in some form. It might not happen in the way that you expect it to happen, it might not be a biblical miracle like we've already experienced. I mean, he was dead. I watched him die. And then he was alive again. Mm -hmm. So some of the miracles are big like that. But little miracles are happening in my life every single day. And they're, they're small things like he turns his head or somebody shows up at the house with dinner. Or, mm -hmm. you know, just tiny little things of, you know, I'm saying to God, help me. And he's sending help. It's coming to me in all different mm -hmm. forms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you talked about just being needing to be completely dependent on God. I mean, it's kind of like just as Xavier is completely dependent on you and the people around him. I mean, you're seeing the need to be completely dependent on God. And in the midst of that, you've also learned how to become a little bit more dependent and let others help you. Right? Yeah, I think as a parent and especially as a mother, at least in my experience, um, it's hard to ask for help, and it's hard to say you need help. It's even hard to accept help. When people are in front of you asking how they can help you, it's very easy to say, oh, no, thank you. you know, everything's fine. I've got it covered. Um, but I realized that I was asking the Lord to help me, and then I was turning away the help that he was sending to me. Mm. So, you know, I, I just let go of that part of me, that part that needed to say no, and I said, yes, thank you. Mm. And it comes in strangers or people that I've known my whole life or people who God brought into my life for this purpose it comes in all different ways. And so it's, it's really neat. You have, you have a neighbor that's several doors down who actually introduced you to Grace Point but has now become a friend and one of those supporters of showing up with a meal and, and that kind of thing. So you have that right in your neighborhood, which is a huge blessing. And I just want to pause and just, just talk to us who are maybe dealing with other kind of situations that th this is really the purpose of like community and being part of a group is 
that people can help meet those needs in our lives when we're going through these seasons of, of intense need. And so I know like even in our own group, like there are times where we'll struggle with, oh, I don't feel like bothering with people people with this, this prayer request, but we've, we've said as a group, like this is really what we're here for, is to pray for each other, to support each other through these things. So, um, so God brought you to a point of learning that. Um, last question, which is kind of really, really personal and maybe difficult, but um, as you look at Xavier and you think um, the, the kind of life and the kind of dependence, the kind of difficulty that he has, are there ever moments where you look at that and you think, why didn't God just let him go at, after that seven minutes? I mean, why did he, what, what's really the purpose of, of bringing him back? Yeah, all the time. I think it's human nature to wonder um, what if or why me or why us. Um, but I also think there must be something, mm-hmm. right? Why? Well, I mean, God had a reason for sending him back. And Xavier knows what that reason is, I'm sure. So, you know, I just have to believe that there's something there's a greater good. There's he's he's just influencing people every day. Mm. He's making impressions on people's lives every day, and so I, I have to think that that's it. He's using him to better his kingdom, to build his kingdom up. There's something that Xavier's doing, and maybe I don't see it, but I know that I will see it, mm. and that Xavier has a wonderful um, place for him in heaven. Mm-hmm. And I know I'll hear him say, "I love you, mommy." And, I know I'll see him run and jump, and that's enough. That is That grace is enough to get me through. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I, I think you're right. I think Xavier will have a special place in heaven. I think probably you will as well, and just your story, your testimony, your willingness to share with us is, is a huge encouragement, and God is certainly using that as well. So thank you very much uh, for sharing. I'm going to pray for you, but, but let's thank uh, Jackie for, for sharing the story. So, I want to pray for, uh, for Jackie and Xavier and, and really all of us who are, who are dealing with, with tough stuff right now. Let's pray. Father, um, I thank you for, we, we do trust your sovereignty. We trust that, as we sang earlier, you are a good, good father. You are perfect in all of your ways. And so while our world is far from perfect and, and many times our human experience is far from perfect, we believe you are perfect. And we believe that you give us strength and courage to, to walk through our days. So I, I want to pray a specific prayer here for Jackie as she shared her story this morning and for Xavier. And just ask that your hand, your, your hand of provision, your hand of comfort, your hand of courage and strengthening would continue to, to be on this family that you would provide for every need that they have. And Lord, that you would continue to strengthen Jackie's heart and her faith in you to meet every need and every challenge that, that she faces. And Lord, we do look forward to that day. We thank you that we have a hope that Xavier will run and jump and laugh and shout and and play. And we look forward to that day. But in the meantime, as we wait for that, Lord, help us um, not to uh, resent the present but to, to walk through the present with perseverance and endurance, uh, looking forward to that future that you have for us. I pray for each person in this room who is facing uh, a similar difficult, agony kind of leg of their, their journey, and I pray that you would give them strength to persevere and to finish well the race that you have marked out for them. Lord, we don't do that in our own strength, but as Jackie testified here this morning, we do that as we look to you and as we receive 
uh, what you have provided for us. So help us to humble ourselves before you in that way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.